I have to tell the people about the Patreon. Yes, you do. Patreon.com slash SMDB. SMDB, like so many damn books. For just a dollar, you can join up and you get access to all the exclusive content that I record just for the Patreon. Also, you get to join the book club. The So Many Damn Books book club. It's been some of the best conversations I've had about books. It really always sounds like a blast. I usually like come home and just hear like giggles coming from the library. So it's a great time. You should join. And I would love to have more people join the fray. You may or may not know that Christopher runs this whole show himself on the hosting side, on the technical side, everything. This is a one-man show, truly. He does it all. Support your boy Christopher. Even at the dollar level really helps. So uh, join up patreon.com slash smdb i'd love to have you patreon.com slash smdb on with the show i had this thought earlier and i nearly texted it to you and then i was like you know what a save the good material for the show save it for the show b um this is a horrible idea okay (laughs) we should do a twitch stream of doing an episode of the I'm already against it. No. So many, so many, so many damn books. You want to welcome or should I do it? Yeah, sure. Hey, everybody. Welcome to so many damn books. Okay. And that's why I do it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I just saw myself with this, this beverage and I thought, uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Who are you? Oh, uh, welcome to So Many Damn Books. I'm Drew. I am Christopher. Just in case you were wondering who was in charge of that little goof. That was that was Drew. Oh, boy. Uh, we are so glad to be here in your ears, hanging out with you. You ever think about how cool that is? I think about it all the time. That we are everywhere, hypothetically anyway. Yeah, we're not just in, in a living room. We, we might be grocery shopping with somebody. We might be on a dog walk. It's very cool that you decided to spend some time with us and with books in this way. Yeah, we appreciate it. In fact, if you wanted to tweet at us at So Many Damn Books and tell us what you're doing while you're listening, <laughs> that would be amazing. We would yeah. think that was the coolest. Only do this if uh, you're doing something that's not life-threatening were you to tweet at us. For example, um, don't do that while you're driving. Sure. Well, no, you could listen while driving. Well, oh, you can listen while driving, but don't tweet at us to tell us that you're listening while you're driving. We should do the normal things. What are you drinking? I am drinking a gin and tonic. Hell Citadel yeah. French French gin, I guess. I don't know what makes it French, uh, other than this really beautiful blue bottle. And then I'm using Fever Tree tonic. And I just if if you didn't if you don't like gin and tonics, I think it's because you're probably using bad tonic. Mm, um, mm-hmm. you might you might not just you might just not like gin and tonics, but honestly, like okay. the difference between like a Schweppes gin and tonic and a fever tree or a Q tonic, or actually I like regatta tonic. Um, I've never had that. It's all really nice. You know, 
go and go and look for a gin and tonic that's actually using um, cane sugar instead of high fructose corn syrup mm. because it's just you're gonna it's gonna taste better. Um, sure. That's my that's my tip for those at home. What about you? What are you drinking? You're drinking I am, something real. I well, listen. The gin and tonic has long been my go-to cocktail of choice. My friends from Boston College can attest. Uh, but I am drinking an Amaro Manhattan, which is basically mm. you just replace the vermouth with Amaro. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm it's Pinhook Bourbon, which Ooh. Danny really loves. Love that stuff. It's really, I mean, it's great bourbon. Great I'm bourbon a, and a great price point. Great, yeah, truly. Uh, sponsored by Pinhook Bourbon. Mm. Um, God, if, if you're only. listening, please reach out. We're not sponsored. We're never. No, we have we're never. We've only been sponsored by an actual liquor company once, and it was brilliant. And we would love for that to happen again. Yes, truly. If you or someone you know. <laughs> <laughs> if you or someone you love. I, so it's Pinhook Bourbon and Fourth Ave Marseille Amaro, which is my favorite Amaro. I have tried to branch out Amaro-wise because it's a very broad category. Basically, mm-hmm. any like fortified herbaceous liqueur conceptually could be an Amaro. Mm-hmm. And I just I keep coming back. It's so good. Yeah. Woo! We're having fun. I gotta say. The um, the moving cocktail. This is I, I just recently mm-hmm. moved. Um, I've been the reason why I only have basically gin at home right now, one bottle, is because what I was trying to do was not move any bottles. Uh, smart. So I just stopped buying things. But that also means that like when you're at the bottom of it, you have like <laughs> some of the weirdest stuff. But it makes you creative it makes you think of things that you never might have tried before um i i i do this every now and then it doesn't it's not always occasioned by moving where i'm just like i want to get rid of this current bar and i'm just gonna drink it down um and i highly recommend trying this because it really does push you to try new things and it makes you like I don't know. I, I was messing around with simple syrups. I was messing around with mixers and fruit juices and stuff because, like, you're you're looking at something like this um, very smoky um, sfumato amaro, which was nice. it had this crazy flavor to it, which I could not I couldn't find a place for. It was yeah. really great in like a half ounce try at the amaro liquor store in park slope uh-huh. yeah. uh but then when i had an entire bottle of it just had no idea what to do with it um and you know when you when you're making weird cocktails that happens yeah okay so okay next check is, now we do what'd you buy What'd you buy? I have been good and haven't mm. bought anything. Well done. I feel really proud of myself. I haven't even gotten like a, a like publisher sent book because I don't think they know where I live yet. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I will say I did buy a snack. Okay. Um, so there's this company called Picards, which 
It's unrelated to Star Trek. Okay, I was going to ask. They're a peanut company. And they have this thing called chip nuts where they grind Mm. up potato chips and use that as a coating for roasted peanuts. And it is so good. You can get basically kind of like any chip you can think of. I went slightly overboard and got four flavors, um, but I got an all dressed which is like the Canadian, it's a Canadian company. But I also got garlic and onion and dill and also ketchup flavored, which is another wow. Canadian flavor that they don't do a lot in the U.S. But it's a delicious way to enjoy a peanut. And I highly, highly recommend it. It's, uh comes recommended thanks to Bill Oakley, um, former Simpsons writer and now believe he writes for disenchantment but he's got a great fast food instagram presence and he also talks snacks all the time and highly recommend looking over at his stuff because it's really fun cool yeah so picard's chip nuts just go on there and find the good now (laughs) i don't recommend at the in these dog days of summer um buying anything that's covered in chocolate from them sure because you're going to get a chocolate bar accidentally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, these chip nuts, oh, they're so addictive. I have to like pour them into a little shot glass so I don't eat all of them at once. What about you? What did you buy? I, for my birthday, I received a bookshop gift card from a you very did. dear friend of mine <laughs> that I haven't used yet. Because similarly, I'm trying to be good. I've been feeling a lot of like, I have a lot of books right now and I feel anxious about it. And I'm about to move into spooky season reading. And so I'm only going to read the spooky books, which admittedly, you know, they're over there waiting. It's a pretty tall stack. Yeah, I'm not going to read all of them. Um, but I, it's like, there are a bunch of books that I want to buy and I keep walking into bookstores and not buying things. And you were like, happy birthday. I'll make this easier for you. And I have, it is taken all of my energy to not buy anything with that. And then yesterday, a box shows up from something that I bought for myself that I, not in a way that anybody needs to be worried about me, but I do not remember buying. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Dream Drew was like, I know what he needs. <laughs> yeah, I'm sort of thinking like at some point was I listening to something or watching something that made me think about this? Um, had I been drinking? Had I been smoking? Was it just a normal day? The it, Honestly, who knows? But anyway, I bought two books from Tilted Axis Press, okay. which is a UK-based press. Um, but they are focused on translation, specifically from China, um, Japan, Korea, and sort of like voices that have not otherwise been translated in the UK. So I bought Tokyo Ueno Station, which won the National Book Award for translation. Gorgeous Um, cover. Yeah, uh, by Yu Miri, which was translated by Morgan Giles. And that, I was, honestly, it was more of a like, I need to finally read this. I've heard so much about it. Everybody seems to love it. I need to actually go ahead and read this. The reason that I ordered something 
was to get a copy of Strange Beasts of China by Yan Jay, translated by Jeremy Chang. It's like an amateur cryptozoologist in doing a, a kind of like, it, apparently, I haven't read it yet, uh, mosaic novel-y, like different short stories. Each chapter is relating to some kind of cryptozoologic creature mm. in China. Ooh. It sounds so cool. Matt Bell, who wrote Appleseed, has been talking it up recently. He just finished the audiobook. Um, and so maybe it was something that Matt said at some point, somewhere, that made me think to do this. Anyway, it was so fun. I love Strange, or um, Tilted Axis has a really cool uniform design for their press where they have uh, sort of a, a forward slash somewhere on the cover. I love the covers of both of these books. Um, and it felt fun to support like a UK small press. I don't know. We love small presses here. And it's neat to like go right to the source and order something, you know? That's so cool. Yeah. I and it's even better when you surprise yourself about it. Definitely. That's the best. Yeah. Buying something for yourself and then getting surprised about it sometimes means worrisome behavior. <laughs> But sometimes it's also just a really cool thing. I feel like it's probably a frequency thing, right? If you're regularly surprised by things that you've bought for yourself, see, uh, talk to your doctor today. <laughs> so it, it's a Just Us episode. Folks. Yeah, it's it's just a reading us. snapshot in its way. Uh -huh. But it's really not about reading so much as it is about book having. Books. Yeah, book having. Because here's the thing. This move has changed how I feel about collecting books. Really? Yeah. The move did it. Yeah. I mean, it, I think this was brewing just because I had... A Billy bookshelf, a full Billy bookshelf, and then some. Mm -hmm. That was my unread shelf. Always harrowing. It, and it's looking at it, it stopped being something that I was excited about. Yep. And that's just not how I should feel looking at a shelf of books in my home. Yeah. Um, and I felt like that a little bit before, but then like packing up those books and putting them in boxes and paying for someone to move those books. And then it, it also made me realize just like there was a lot of like random space in that old apartment <laughs> that like wasn't good for anything but like hoarding books. Yeah. And so I just was looking at that and thinking, this can't be, this can't last because I honestly had more books that I hadn't read than I had read and I owned. I've already, I'm already more ruthless, I feel like, than you are with books that I read and keep. Mm, uh -huh. And so I had less than a Billy bookshelf of fiction, nonfiction that I read, kept, and loved. Yeah. So I've been getting rid of books just been getting rid of them because i don't think i'm a book collector or not in the way mm -hmm. that i was 
I'm not a completist. I'm not an author completist. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I, and I actually think that it can be a really disappointing way to be a fan of an author <laughs> because yeah. you realize that an author that writes well on one thing that you love, but then they're going to write poorly about something that you don't care about. And did they actually write poorly about that? Or did you just never care about that? And you only read it because they, it had their name on it. Yeah. So, so yeah, I've just, I've, I've been holding books in my hand and, and I've been thinking about how long have I owned this? And I've, I've been trying to do this in, in, in stacks of four, every four books. Okay. I hold the four books that in my hand and I say, which one would I read next if I was going to? Which one would I read soon? Which one do I want to have on hand for some purpose? Uh-huh. And which one goes? Wow. Okay. I and like that, was, that. That was to get rid of some stuff. And it worked. It's working. I'm, I'm in the midst. I see. Uh, and so all of that is resulting in the people, the good people of Crown Heights uh, got an incredible infusion of books into their own. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm glad because, and that was the other thing too, is it's just like a book doesn't die when you get rid of it. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm also like, I check weather patterns before I put a book out on the stoop. Because As you should. There's nothing that makes me sadder than like a big sodden box of really wonderful books that you can't take because they're fat with water. Yeah. Ugh. So disappointing. But like, that's the thing is that a book doesn't end its life when it's away from your library. And the other thing is I'm so damn close to the Brooklyn Public Library, like the main branch, the biggest one. And I'm also less than, I'm like point two miles away from community bookstore or something. You know, I'm so close to some of the best bookstores in Brooklyn. I'm so close to the best library in Brooklyn. Like, yeah. If I need this book, I can buy it again because chances are I didn't buy it in the first place. <laughs> it got sent to us or I requested it or I found it on the street because yeah. like, yeah, Brooklyn reads pretty well. Yeah, listen, I mean, it is, there's so many facets to this right it's like right i just dumped a bunch of stuff on you well it's that thing of like on the one hand a thing that feels the most it feels like the easiest step for somebody who's trying to start getting rid of things or paring down their anything their tbr or their their red pile is that memory of like you can get this again. If, if you need for it. For some reason, you need it. You can get it again. And I think, I think it was, I want to say like Liberty Hardy from Book Riot at some point years ago said something to that effect, either on the Book Riot podcast or in a, an essay. And it like, it stuck in my mind, but it never quite rooted until finally, as um, I wrote about this for O Reader, actually, because I was thinking about moving with books last fall, fuck me, a year ago now, when we moved to the house and did a similar thing. Of we, I got rid of 
a lot of books. I don't think as many as you did. And I didn't, I didn't take it quite as seriously because also I was like, Hey, I got a house. I'm moving to a bigger space. Not yeah, smaller. There will be one room. That's a library. Mm-hmm. But we, we still got rid of a bunch of books and there were definitely things as I was thinking about doing that, but also like the first time, Oh, when Danny and I moved in together, she came over, there was a day that she came over to my apartment where we specifically just like went through my books and a big thing. She was like, okay, first up, get rid of anything that's been on your to read shelf for more than three years. And I was like, there's probably nothing. What do you mean? No. (laughs) Well, there was a bunch of stuff and I was like, Oh, but I want to read that. And she was like, do you, you've had it for three years. There was one book. I will not say what it is because I think that probably it's a good book and I just never got around to reading it. And that's okay. Had been on my to read shelf for six years. The, there is a book that I have refused that I, it's actually like I could grab it. (laughs) It's right there. I, um, I've owned this book since Boston, since I lived in Boston, I've moved it so many times. But you moved it again, too. I know. I'm not going to get rid of it. And I might never read it. Uh, but the, it's just like emblematic. of Like, this is the problem. And, and here's the book. Here's the book that truly shows you that you've got a sickness um, inside of you. <laughs> but you know what? It's that keeping that book makes sense for exactly that thing that you were saying of like keeping the things that have meaning. It's just a matter of like, you start at a certain point and you and I are both, I think, at that age where you start to assess meaning differently. Definitely. Like I, I, I thought a lot as we were moving out of Brooklyn um, that I had been keeping, I kept a handful of books that I actively disliked. Yeah. But because I thought about them a lot or because they provoked something interesting in me and then it was i kind of had this moment of like oh right that doesn't actually say about me what i think it says like that's not an interesting like there's no reason to keep that book on my shelf right actually you know halfway through moving you, there's always the point where you're just like, just never mind. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I will re- lead a monastic life. I don't even need a bed. Put a piece of blanket on the floor. I will wear a, one pair of jeans and three shirts and that's it. <laughs> Damn it. If it worked for the guy on my side of the mountain, <laughs> it'll work for me. All he needed was a hawk. Yeah, it's true. I think. Did he have a hawk? I have meal, like the things that they eat because uh-huh. I loved that book and Island of the Blue Dolphins and uh-huh. both like go into the sort of ad hoc meals you make when you are surviving. Hatchet. Oh, hatchet. Yeah. Well, that's how you bring it home. You activate the other tastes. I, like I still regularly think about when in Hatchet, the the pilot of the plane dies. Mm. He like has a heart attack and dies. 
but the the way that it's described and just sort of the panic like has stuck with me since I first read that book 20 years ago right like insane the second book is the one the river is when like uh-huh. the the journalist goes with him and then gets struck by lightning yeah because like he he makes it back and then it's like a whole story mm-hmm. but there's, there's also like more there's like there is i read a i read i read the river i read brian's winter and i think i might have read brian's return jeez how many which are was there? brian's winter was the idea that he doesn't make it out it was like a oh <laughs> it was like an alt history version of the thing what because I think it was like he wrote it because people were annoyed that the end of Hatchet sort of felt Deus Ex Machina e. Interesting. Because he he uses right he uses his like emergency transmitter or whatever, and they were like, what if he would have had to stay there? Mm. And so he wrote a like, okay, yeah. he has to winter. And Brian's return, I think, was like he's a bit older and has PTSD and like doesn't fit into the world anymore. Oh yeah. I think there's one further one. Really? There's a fifth book called Brian's Hunt. Oh, what what happens in the hunt? Yeah, I think it's one of these where he's like, I'm going to get away from society for a while. And then he realizes that he never wants to be part of society again. Which, you know, know, who among us? Hashtag (laughs) relatable. In the letting go, yeah. Do you feel lighter? Do you feel lighter of spirit? Yes. Here's here's the goal, and I said fifty books, but I actually have an even bigger goal, which is just what I really want to do. What I want to be able to do is to go into a bookstore, buy a book, and start reading it. And feel no guilt about the fact that that's the book I'm going to read next. Do you not do that at all? I, right of course now? I do it sometimes. But okay. I do it with the sort of idea that it's, it's, it's hopping the line. Yeah. That it's yeah. like that I'm putting some sort of like, oh, you know, it's the new Ruth Ozeki. So it gets to hop to the front ahead right. of the hundreds of books in front of, you know, I've done that and 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 of course that has its own pleasure. But I I just don't want to feel like that. I want it to feel like here it is. I've bought this book and it's the next one I'm going to read because I don't have a lot of books on my to to read list. Right. Do you remember the moment where you went from having you know that like maybe you had 10 books on your nightstand? And so you could go out and buy something and read it immediately and not feel guilty. And there's sort of, I feel like for, it's like escape trajectory from the solar system, right? Like you have to get to a certain velocity. <laughs> and, then and then after that, but it, it, that it happens fast. There's exponential growth. Yeah. You go from 10 books to 100 books faster than you go from 100 books to 200 books. I think it was... Boston. It was in Boston, um, Brookline Booksmith, and then Harvard Bookstore. Yeah. Would, ev- yeah. would I think it was Harvard Bookstore that would every year do a remainder sale mm-hmm. from their warehouse. Yeah. 
and I think that's that was the end of of book buying to book hoarding. Uh huh. I feel like that was probably the that was the inflection point. It was like coming home with like ten to fifteen books from that, and it du- more than doubled the shelf that I had. And then you just you know. <laughs> Well, right. If you keep at the pace that you were previously buying books, which even under normal, like normal people circumstances, you go into a bookstore and you're like, oh, I'm getting this to read right away. And like, oh, well, you get two or three things just because. Yeah. And like, that's how you get to the like nine or 10 book bench. Well, yeah. I mean, this is a, this is a whole vacation reading thing where um, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, I'm going to bring, I, it's a, I have a five day vacation in front of me. I'm going to bring, yep. I can, I can probably bring two books. Or read two books for this. But I'm going to bring four because I don't know if I'm going to be in the mood for... Yeah, yeah. And then, like, those four, I'm, it's five because this one's slim and it'll probably be not that hard to read. And, you know, that you end up with six books and you actually only read mm-hmm. half of one because you were on vacation and you weren't reading as much <laughs> as you thought you would. And then you feel really stupid because you brought six books on your vacation and brought it everywhere and yeah. you only read one or half. Yeah. One. And you went to a bookstore and bought other books <laughs> where you were. Yeah. Oh God. It's just stupid. It's, yeah. Did you feel lighter after you got rid of things and, and, are you feeling like you might need to start editing again or where are you in your, in your book buying? I do have an impulse to edit again right now. I've been having it recently. I mean, the beginning of the show, like I too had that feeling of, I don't, I'm going to wait to use that birthday present to get something that I really want to read. And I feel, um, I feel like I'm still, I hope this doesn't go away. It still feels new. I feel like I'm bailing out of things more easily. In a way, like this uh, recent listeners of the show, I recommended so heartily the three body problem. Mm -hmm. I loved it. I loved the dark forest, the second book in the trilogy. And I got probably two thirds of the way through death's end, the final book in the trilogy. And Tsitsin Lu makes a decision to like just keep expanding mm-hmm. everything instead of I, I prefer of right winnowing. now in my life anyway. Yeah, I prefer second book gets bigger, third book sort of ties stuff up. You don't have to tie everything up, but I want there to be some sense of it coming in. And I was like, okay, suddenly we're dealing with like pocket universes and a whole bunch of other shit. And I I think I've reached the conclusion of this story for me. Mm-hmm. And it was so nice to just be like, great, I'm done. After it's a 600 page book. And I think I read like 350 pages of it. And that has also allowed me to, I mean, I'm not really using Goodreads right now. Cause I'm just trying to winnow down my social media in general, but I don't know how I would even track it at this point. Like there are books that I'll pick up 50, 60, 70 pages and then be like, you know what? This isn't the thing. I've gotten everything I need out of this. I think this is the reason to have like just a personal, literal reading journal. Yeah. That you start and you can just say into it, 
I stopped reading it. Page 70. I stopped reading page 70. Thumbs up. Right. You know what I mean? Like that sense of- Four stars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. Like that's where the lightness comes for me. And I still, I still struggle all the time with, um, I like buying books because I have that feeling of like, I have enough disposable income to help support authors. Support authors, support, support bookstores. Support, yeah. yeah. There's so many things, there's so many great things about buying a book. I, and, mm -hmm. and, and I'm never, that is never, that joy is never going to leave me. It's, yeah. the, but the joy in reading them needs to be commensurate. Yeah. It needs to feel just as good. Right, right. There's something that feels ongoing to me about, I don't know, it's just like an acceptance of the present moment in a different way, I think. Like there's less focus on the future in one sense in terms of the things I cannot control like climate change, but also like how I'm going to feel when I finish the book that I'm currently reading. Right. I do feel like I used to read like a 25 year old because uh, I was 25. Um, <laughs> and now, now as a 34 year old, I realize just with far more sharpness that I will mm -hmm. not be reading forever, that I have a finite amount of books I will read in my life. And I will always want to be reading different books. There will always be another book that I will want to read. And I'll tell you what, I don't even remember a lot of the titles of stuff I got rid of. Don't know it yeah. at all. And that's something to think about. I think it's it's not to um not to get too Waldeny about it. Mm. But I think it's it is actually a very subtle, insidious thing about any of the library cataloging apps or social media platforms. And don't get me wrong, I have the desire still. There are plenty of apps that are like super phone based and they're apps. They're not social media platforms built for home libraries to be able to be like, what do we have? Cause it's nice. We, like you, you have fielded frantic text messages from Danny where she's like in a bookstore being like, I'm trying to buy Drew a book. Do, do, has he read this? Mm -hmm. Do you, have you guys talked about like, there's for people like you and I, it's important to be able to, in a very narrow and admittedly kind of selfish way, be able to catalog what we have read. Yeah. But the the act of sort of seeing it in a more present way, I think is a negative thing. I think it encourages, I mean, it makes sense. Goodreads got bought by Amazon for a bunch of reasons. Like it encourages more. It encourages consumption. Oh, have you read enough books to hit your reading challenge this year? You haven't added anything to your to read list in a while, but also, oh my God, the little parentheses next to my to read list is 530 books. Like, yeah. how could I ever, how could I just want to go read the new Preston and Child book. Like, yeah. yeah. It's good, by the way. So with that in mind, what are we going to do for recommendations? You know what? I have, I am going to recommend two things. Okay.
my book recommendation is a sentence. Okay. And then I have a, a recommendation of another thing. The Sally Rooney book, fucking great. And a lot of people aren't going to like it, and that's okay. But if it's your thing, it's going to be very much your thing. Period. Okay. The other thing is that Danny and I have finally, after a long time, I don't know why it's taken me so long, to be honest, caught on to the hype train of watching the UK competition show Taskmaster. Okay. And it it is, it's, it's absolutely delightful. It's a bunch of comedians who are set outrageous and absurd tasks by another comedian and his comedian assistant. And it's just like the first episode, they all, they have to eat and they all do them sort of individually. The first episode, they all have to eat as much of a watermelon as possible in 60 seconds or a hundred seconds or something like that. And so they're all like in front of a live studio audience. And then it like goes to the tape. This one man immediately, the timer goes off. He picks up the watermelon and smashes it on the floor. And it is still just thinking about it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> like um, it's just so absurd. It's really wonderful. It's very, it's like more absurd than like great British bake off, but it has a bit of that similar i don't know i guess just because it's british mm. it's great all of it's available on youtube don't watch the horrible u.s version that had reggie watts as the host what is what what is this because there <laughs> there's even a, they even put like american bakers in the great british bake-off tent like and it's unwatchable yeah. like i don't know yeah. what <laughs> what magic the the British accent has, but it definitely, it, there's something to that. I think weirdly with both Taskmaster and Bake Off, even though they are kind of on either side of a, a pendulum swing, there's something about the absurdity of it that Americans, Americans don't do super well with absurdity. Mm. Maybe it's our, our puritanical uh, history Probably. or something. I mean, our puritanical present, am I right? Boo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what are you recommending? I'm going to recommend two things, too. One thing, you couldn't own a physical version even if you wanted to. Sarah Grand um, wrote an Audible exclusive called Marigold. Zoe Kazan is one of the um, narrators cool. of it. And it is so spooky. And so it's a it's a haunted house story. <gasps> spooky season, spooky season, spooky season. And Sarah Grand just does spooky better than anybody. Yeah. And Zoe Kazan is just, it's a meal and she's just enjoying it. Marigold is the name of this like rabbit that she has. I had it as a kid um, and she loses it. But like, the haunted house where she lives keeps giving her like the real version of the rabbit and then taking it away from her. Terrifying. I don't know even. Yeah. It's so good. Whoa. Spooky. Very spooky. And then the other thing I, I felt while I was watching this show on, on television that it was like, 
you know how some people are saying like television is like novels. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't believe that's true for something like Mad Men. Like Mad, a lot of people said that about Mad Men, and I, all I can say is no. Mad Men is just a great TV show, and it has nothing to do with a novel. But yeah. White Lotus on HBO Max is the closest I've ever felt of like it, it felt like a Franzen novel or um, just like one of those big family, like all of the gears turning, like someone doing something is going to set off a bunch of other things like in the sort of Rube Goldberg machine. And they didn't realize that that was going to happen, but that's how it goes. I was wow. totally enraptured by it. It's funny. It's sad. Um, it's so clearly shot during COVID. Um, but it was, it's as good as everyone says it is. And, you know, I'm like adding myself to the chorus, but it, you know, if you, if you, you have been on the fence about White Lotus. If you're like, eh, that doesn't sound so good. It's great. Um, and Steve Zahn is fantastic in it. Cool. Yeah, White Lotus. Count me among that, the uh, people who was like, I'm not going to watch this. It's, it's, it's honestly very much worth your time. Great. I can't wait. And get rid of books. That's my other recommendation. Just get rid of a lot of them. You've, Truly. It feels better, and you can get them back. If you, if you really need them, you can get you them can again. get them back. It's the 21st century, man. So that's all. That's all. We'll be back in two weeks. Mm -hmm. With some fun stuff. Very excited about the next episode. And if you're a Patreon subscriber, then you know what that is. Because we tell our Patreon subscribers what books are coming up next and what guests are coming up next you can go to patreon.com slash smdb the link is in the show notes um we also list every book we mention on our webpage so many damn books.com slash episodes you can click on the episode and see the list of every book we've ever mentioned and honestly and truly i there's we don't we get no feedback on this show like we just don't we no one tells us anything about listening to it i mean apparently twelve thousand of you download the um episode in the last month an episode of our show but we don't hear from you at all the only thing we hear <laughs> is itunes reviews and those itunes reviews uh i i every time i go to edit an episode of our show i go and look up our itunes reviews because it gets me going to the next episode. It makes me think like, oh yeah, no, I remember why I do this. I do it for these people that took time out of their day to, to tell us that we do okay sometimes. So if you want to leave us a five-star review and give me something to read while I'm editing the next episode of the show, I would highly appreciate it. And that's it. I like that. That was good. <laughs> Thanks. And next up, it's an hour of Peebo Bryson with Delilah. Stay tuned. What? (laughs) (laughs) It was a a callback to the radio voice. Uh, What's Peebo Bryson? Peebo Bryson.